0: It's a reality alternative special report for Game of Thrones. That show that the whole fucking world watches. Can you do the uh that noise again?
1: What is that supposed to be?
0: Well that's like how that's like how like um you know, like, news reports used to start. I think it's supposed to sound like like Morse code coming in off the telegraph.
1: Ah, yeah, telegraph. Okay, that makes sense. I, I knew that you are referencing old news reports, but I didn't. Now I'm looking back, I'm like, I'm not actually sure what that sound is supposed to be. Yeah,
0: I, it's probably supposed to, you know, recall the telegraph, the Morse code test. Yeah, and
1: it usually had, like, the sound of, paper being printed as well kind of slightly in the background right which i, guess, I assume yeah. is the paper on the i don't know what anyway, are we talking about
0: <laughs> we're gonna we have to talk about this stupid television show and in the interest of um getting this out while the television show is still fresh in people's mind this one's gonna have we've got a a, a down and dirty production style uh doesn't get the usual polish i guess that we would do but we're gonna we're gonna record this and we're gonna you know poop it out onto the internet right quick gross yeah like it's like a 24-hour turnaround between when the show airs and when we have something online about it that's pretty good
1: we need to start farming this stuff out you know i mean outsource it
0: yeah with our budget yeah from our advertising and patreon
1: yeah, this episode brought to you by uh, Outsourcing Solutions by... Um. So, you watch this episode, right, Greg? This is the first episode of
0: Season 8, the final season of Game of Thrones. First of all, let's stop calling it the final season of Game of Thrones. There will always be a Game of Thrones on television, just like there will always be a Star Wars movie. There will always be um, Survivor on television. It's But it's the final final season uh or the yeah the final season of i guess what game of thrones as we know it today
1: sure do you think they're going to call the shows like game of thrones colon the long winter or something or do you think they're just going to call it the long winter
0: i have a feeling they will they'll they'll feel like they don't have to call it game of thrones age of heroes they'll probably just call it age of heroes or whatever they're going to call it right right
1: all right well yeah okay so anyway semantics uh you watch this episode
0: yeah well yeah
1: yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, it'd be a really boring conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually just gonna re—I'm actually gonna just read the script of the episode uh, right. verbatim, um, and I'm gonna do sound effects and also sing the score, uh, which right. I'm that known actually, to do very well.
0: Might be more interesting than than <laughs> adding to the heaps of thirty-something <laughs> uh, white dudes talking about Game of Thrones on the internet.
1: No, we're so original. Yes. Um, okay, so can we briefly start with like a pre as if we didn't watch it going into season eight? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'll start. I'll say that so I have been starting to rewatch Game of Thrones in the beginning because Shay has decided to rewatch. So I'm catching, you know, not every episode, but most of the episodes. And boy, rewatching that first and second season. It's like, man, this show was good. A lot of sexploitation, right? Yeah. But besides that. Ooh, just like the writing. It just felt so much better, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um you know there's some things that are a little rough here and there, some some child acting and whatnot, but it It just felt so much fuller, so much better, so economical, so well-written, just such good character interactions. And I will say that, you know, in comparison, I've always been a little disappointed with the last few seasons. Still individual moments of, you know, greatness and of different kinds, but an overall reduction in quality and complexity. For sure.
0: Uh, I went back and I looked at my notes from the episode, like episode 26, I think, where we talked about the last episode of season season seven um and just kind of wanted to get a a sense of like so where did the show leave off and what 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 were our thoughts on it then um yeah, I agree. This show is but a shadow of what it was. Uh, my hopes were not high going into this season because I think that the problems that the show has developed over the last couple of years, notably since they departed from the the books uh, and George R. R. Martin' involvement in the show, has decreased. Um, uh, I think it's pretty clear that. Um, that's where things kind of went off the track it has been going downhill i have not expected it to turn around because i think the problems that have come into play since then are now like baked into the show they're now systemic they're now in the lifeblood of the show itself so
1: um yeah i agree i think that and that's as I wanted to go into the context of reviewing this episode in the season as we do these. Um, I, you know, part of it I think is a natural reduction of complexity as a story more moves towards a conclusion, you know, characters are, plot lines are tied up and characters are converging and less time for everybody, etc. But I also think it's a byproduct of the this adaptation of something really complex to TV and not having a fully realized plan. And therefore a lot of plot lines end up feeling kind of worthless or, truncated very obviously like uh oh, we don't know how to they're over here now or he's dead okay cool let's move on um and i just think it's something that other big fantasy adaptations which i think we're getting a couple of right like should be aware of moving forward that
0: like looking back could they have just cut doran completely probably so i don't know that complexity is is the problem because what i'm what i'm not seeing is a show that is more streamlined today because and we'll talk about this and this was some of my complaints from the end of season seven too is that if the idea was we're going to streamline it as we get closer to the end not only because that's the nature of the plot, right? That's, you know, the, all the kind of loose ends, you know, more or less get tied up. And the cast winnows down as we f- kind of figure out what the who the main characters are and what their goals are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that doesn't seem to be what's happening because this show does not seem to have any sense of urgency about its own plot right now
1: yeah i definitely agree that i sort of felt like and i used the i think we've used this before in the analogy but i also used it today when i was having the the old water cooler discussion at work about the episode as every office did today. Uh, I said, you know, kind of like when you're playing The Witcher and you're like, the world's about to to end. You're like, yeah, but I really got to go pick some more turnips for that other quest that I didn't quite (laughs) finish up. And it's like, and it's annoying because to jump in the episode, one of the first lines of the show is, we don't have time for this. And then they proceed to dick around for a whole episode.
0: Well, and that was, yeah. The, it's that not only the show doesn't seem to sense the urgency, and the characters don't seem to sense the urge. They the 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 show could very easily establish the White Walkers and their march south as a ticking clock, right? If the show did a good job of visualizing for us, maybe in. I don't know your opening credits that are a map of the world you could show here's where they you know um, you know here's all the kind of forts and castles the White Walkers need to get through before they get to Winterfell you know what I mean and then each episode we see them getting a little closer that would be great or just show it, we don't do it in the credits, just show us where they are having established, you know, you know they are 10 days away. Or Bran, who can see whatever and warg into Raven, he could say, you know, you could constantly be checking in with Bran and say, they're 10 days March away. And we as, a, we as viewers could have a sense of urgency, but also the characters at this point everybody who is at winterfell now is on board with the whole the white walkers are real the white walkers are a problem there are no more white walker denialists in winterfell but still Jon snow the biggest whistleblower about the white walkers is like i know that there's like an existential threat to the entire world marching south i myself have fought them i also know firsthand that they have a fucking dragon i'm just gonna take some time to like go have a goofy dragon flying adventure with my girlfriend and make out by a waterfall what the fuck are you people doing (laughs) and i wouldn't even it would be you know i wouldn't even necessarily have a problem with it if they were like at least acknowledging like Oh, all this doom and gloom of getting ready for this war lets you and I just take a moment for each other to escape and pretend this all isn't happening for a minute. But the show makes no attempt to set that up. It's just like, hey, let's watch him almost fall off a dragon. Bleh. Like, if you think back, even in recent, like the Battle of the Bastards episode, that episode had this great buildup scene where it's like the night before, and Davos is talking to people about how like, yeah, we're all probably gonna die tomorrow, right? And everybody's like, yeah, that sucks. And there's so much dread and doom about it. But now everybody's just like, I know we're all about to die, but let's do a bunch of fan y reunion scenes where all of us pretend nothing's fucking happened over the last eight years.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess you really like this episode, right? Oh,
0: uh, boy, I'm sorry. I kind of went off there, didn't I? <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so I will say that I actually, well, I don't disagree with many of your points. I actually, overall, I like this episode uh, with some important caveats. Um, it seems like most of the pe- people's reactions are pretty meh about it, but... And to me, to me, it felt like in some way, some return to form, right? You had, inter- like, you had, I found a lot of the reunions to be interesting, something people have been looking forward to. They are a little fan service-y, um, and most of them, but most of them were handled well enough. There's still some questions of, like, just simple things. Like, where the fuck is Ghost? Like, yeah. they made it, you know, these dire of these, and I don't mean to nitpick, right, but, like, they made these big deals of these direwolves, right? It being, like, these self-reflective things, you know, for the kids, and these symbols of the House Stark, and blah, blah, and it's just, like, I know they gotta spend all their CGI budget on the dragons, but, like, just one shot of just Ghost just, like, running around. Or someone's saying, like, oh, yeah, Ghost is tied up out back. Now, I just think Ghost is probably, like, yeah, everyone's got that lazy dog that just, like, <laughs> let's go for a walk. And just, like, nah, I'm gonna hang on the couch. Like, you go ahead. <laughs> um, also, like, no shot of Brienne just, like, hanging out somewhere. Like, I mean, I know those reunions are gonna come in next episode, probably, but still it's just. Like I don't know, you're you're setting up this once again this like rich full world, but sometimes things are just like weirdly absent from the setting. But anyway, to go back to the the whole rest of the episode, um to comment on your the sense of urgency is I agree that it bothered me because like it's starting to make it I'm starting it's getting hard to suspend my disbelief and that like some of our heroes who were told are smart, just can't put aside their shit. Like, I get it, it's Game of Thrones. There's always gonna be intrigue. You know, these things should always be there. But like, J- John, like you said, is the biggest whistleblower, ends up sounding like a crazy person. because so it's just like, dudes, zombies, zombie dragon, evil necromancers. And it's like, yeah, but I don't like her. It's like, okay, but like, come on. <laughs> Like, Cersei can do it because she's fucking insane, but when your other characters are doing it, it just makes them look a lot more like Cersei, which isn't a great look.
0: Yeah, and and that's the other thing, is that, again, it's, it's, I just feel like, no matter what, anybody up there in the North, with a lick of sense in their head, would be like, yeah, look, I don't love the fact that Jon Snow, you know, um, bent the knee to the... Targaryen woman but we are all going to die if we don't kill these ice zombies so maybe I'm going to put that aside for now it's I don't it just it, it seems like I don't know it just seems like why are they still fighting about this and the show hasn't done a great job of making me care that Jon Snow bent the knee to Daenerys mm-hmm. so when I see other people other characters caring about it I'm like fucking get over yourselves none of this matters you know Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think they tried to get there with some of stuff. Like, you know, Sansa's looking at it like, well, we lost the support of House Glover, and they're not coming to help us. That sucks. And it's like, okay, cool. So she's trying to look at it from a realistic view that, like, yeah. this move has lost them political credibility and support. But, like, okay, House Glover with their, what, 500 poorly armed Northmen or a fucking army of Unsullied and two dragons. Like, right. I'll take that over them. They can go hang – like, fine, whatever. Um, I just yeah. feel like – like you said people don't have like the like it really doesn't seem like they're going to win this fight and people it seems like people think they are
0: and the and the and the show hasn't done a, a done a good job of making me care about you know oh they lost this one house uh, be, you know because i don't have a sense of how many how big is their army today how big does their army need to be you know and so all of this intrigue about who's in who's out not really helpful um I feel like there were other points in the show's history where figuring out who was on the side of the Starks versus the Targaryens, we as viewers had a better kind of intuitive sense of, oh shit, they lost the Starks, That's going to be a problem. Right. Or this alliance with the Freys really mattered um, because we understand what it means if they lose it. But now it's just like, oh, they lost the Glovers. All right, fine. Again, they've got dragons. They've got the unsullied um i'm not really sure what matters here what's important here and and the show has taken a turn where it has basically just said look guys john snow has plot armor it's going no, we're not killing john snow so i'm not really worried about how many horses the starks have because i know john snow is not getting killed by white walkers do you know what i mean mhm
1: i mean i i did appreciate there were some like it seems like as far as passage of time goes we're getting a little bit more on track we're like mm. you know it seems like we're cr- trying to correct that a little bit like um it makes sense that the army of the dead moves pretty damn slow so that's kind of fine um i did like that to your point earlier they, they kind of had a little bit of an indicator in the opening credit that like the path of the army of the dead was like shown via that blue outline did you see yeah
0: that? they they did a little bit but i i don't think they made it clear enough
1: no no it could have been a lot clearer for sure um But I feel like, uh, yeah, I also feel like, I don't know, in the first episode, they should have shown some glimpse of the Army of the Dead, even if it's through Bran's eyes. Like, I I didn't need to be like, there wasn't any action, bro. Like, I don't care about that. But, like, it just felt like it did feel just like a big pause. Yeah. And I'm not saying some of the things accomplished in that pause were bad, but I just feel like we should have had some, you know, like... Yeah, sense yeah, of urgency. Because the,
0: the the thing that I mean, the almost my very first thought in this, other than when they had the Glover kid climbing through the cloud I was a crowd, I was like, oh, I get it. It's just like the it's just like the first episode mm-hmm. um, was. Wait, the last time we saw Daenerys' army, they were in King's Landing. In episode, in the first episodes of this of the show, we know that the trip from Winterfell to King's Landing by the King's Road takes a matter of weeks. We also know from the first episode of the show because it opens with a someone from the Night's Watch, a, you know, deserting the Night's Watch because they saw the White Walkers and running south to Winterfell where they're executed by Ned Stark. So you can run from the wall to Winterfell in like a day and a half. But to get from uh, the um, King, King's Landing, it takes weeks so what are the what is the army of the dead doing in this time like The show needs to explain, even if it's something as simple as, and you could have done this with 10 seconds, of Bran, who your great deus ex machina can explain whatever we need to anybody, can just say, they're not coming directly south. They are making their way through, you know, these these last 10 castles, you know, turning more people into ice zombies to make the army bigger. Done. We get it. Now I understand what they're doing, and I understand why we have some time before they get to winter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little further than that from the wall, but your point still is the same, and... You know, I think that, like I said, when watching earlier seasons, like, man, they were so economical about dropping, without info dumping, little bits of things that helped to provide a lot of context to different situations, you know, timing. I did appreciate that they brought up the logistics of, like, what are all these fucking people and dragons going to, like... Yes. You're in a fucking winter, like, you know, permafrost, like, nightmare land now. Like, not a lot of food in that situation. And Agreed. not a lot of
0: food-saving capabilities in this time period. Good. But my worry is that's just a, like, that's just trying it to make it, they're just trying to, like, make it seem like the old Game of Thrones where things like that mattered. Right. Um, because essentially, it's, it, it. Sansa brings it up and it's like, oh, yeah, good point. And then the show is just like, never mind. Let's do a dragon adventure. Yeah. Because the question is is it going to matter? Because the show stopped caring about any of that stuff a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And this, in, in the old version of Game of Thrones, would have had Sansa bring that up and say, the only way we're going to feed these people is if we have... The support of House blah, 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 which means we need to do blah, 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 um, which is going to cause them to make compromises and choices and take chances and, you know, figure things out. Um, but instead it, 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 it's just, um, I don't know. I feel like we it's its going to end up not meaning anything, not mattering.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, it's possible. I mean, like, I don't know, do dragons eat White Walkers? Like, Or, like, you know, zombies? Like, that seems like a pretty good food source at some point. But um, about the uh, whole new world dragon scene... Um, yeah. You know, on paper, I don't hate that scene. But a couple things. First thing, they really should have invested in some physical dragon props. Like, it would have been hard, but just or or don't don't show things where you can see the seams like yeah don't show John getting on the dragon like that looks so bad overall that scene didn't look terrible CGI wise like we've seen much worse in the show and I'll give him a pass because it's a show like they're still working on that kind of thing but like just don't make dumb decisions like they don't they don't show Daenerys getting on because it's like awkward because she's like in a dress and like random stuff whatever but like ugh, it just didn't look good like go get the fucking <laughs> my friend at work today go get the fucking uh animatronics from Jurassic Park and just paint them different and probably look fine <laughs> um but but then like the casualness with which danny invites him to ride a dragon yeah. just like what the fuck? like and, and it's weird because i was watching the you know the little like post episode featurette with they interview you know D and the actors and whatever and they're like well yeah only targaryens can ride dragons so like this should be like a really important scene i'm like but you didn't make it important no, like yeah like what are you doing like they should know that like it should be like she should be like what the fuck how are you riding that dragon like so, i don't know
0: yes so there's there's. I, I i have i really didn't like this scene for a number of reasons first the nitpicky things i really don't like that um uh we've now just established that the way people ride dragons is just to hold on yeah i mean because look i understand this is a fantasy show but that threw my suspension of disbelief right out of the fucking window. that you're just gonna that just Amelia Clark's grip is what's doing, the, is what's keeping her on this thing. Like, just make a, g- there's a saddle. She figured out early on that you need a saddle if you want to go fast. Something you can strap into. You mm-hmm. know, that would have made me, because it, I, again, it's that thing of I'm watching and it just like pulls me out of it. Because now, now Jon Snow has superpowers of really strong grip. Which it's just not it's just not in addition to his no hypothermia superpowers from um, that other episode. Um, But the part that bothers me about this is this is one of those things that like you hear about in the you know, when people write about it and the fan theories and like everyone wants one wants to see Jon Snow ride a dragon. I'm not that guy because that, that doesn't mean anything. It would mean something if the show, the story, the book, whatever, had done a better job of establishing only a Targaryen can ride a dragon. And this is the final confirmation that Jon is a Targaryen. The show has not set that up. The books have not set that up. They've kind of said like, oh, it's said that the Targaryens were good dragon riders, but it was never like, there was never a scene where some other red shirt tried to jump on the dragon and immediately got killed. You know, something like that. Um, Or if there was something about John. I mean, even if you want to go more lighthearted with it, John has who's not afraid of anything is for some reason afraid of dragons and this is a big moment for him or he's been in denial that he's a targaryen and by finally mounting the dragon he is accepting of his heritage there's so much meaning that could have been in here that is not instead it's a borderline pixar comedy scene of like oh he's got to hold on tight yeah and it meant nothing for him to get on the dragon and ride it. It meant nothing when he gets off the dragon. It it was just an incredible waste to me. They could have put so much more into that scene without having to do a lot of retconning or anything else. But they could have made that so much more meaningful. And they didn't. They didn't. They had so many options. And they went with ugh, just none.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, there's a lot that a missed opportunity for sure. I think that and I, you know, I want to, give credit where credit is due. I I read an article on the ringer today and it basically talked about consequences being the core of game of Thrones. And it really sums it up. Some of it might say it's basically just saying that, you know, what made this show, you know, the books good is that all these interlocking actions create consequences and particularly, you know, the really complex series of ones that end up in really dire consequences. Um, You know, people, you know, Ned trusts Littlefinger. And therefore, he's betrayed. Ned holds on to his honor too hard and tries to warn Cersei, and therefore, she gets a jump on him. Like, all these things, and, and in the past couple of seasons, they've lost that where, eh, they did this, and well, I guess that guy's got a dragon, but like, no one really died, who cares, right? Like, now Tyrion's fucked up four times in a row, but man, he's still around, who cares? Like, Everyone, all the consequences have been drawn out because we're also focused on like the end game. That the that complexity that I was talking about earlier. That's what I mean by removing it. Like, yeah. It, and all the all the characters who were so interesting and powerful are just side props now. Like, yes. Even Tyrion is just there. Varys is just there. Littlefinger died. Like Davos is just there. Like everyone's just there, and they're not like doing anything, providing anything to plot. So now. And therefore there's no consequences when any of the main characters who seem to now do whatever they want you know make a mistake
0: right or or, or the idea that anything they do is going to matter so and th- this this reading that article and, and we'll link it in the show notes it's very good um and they point out that boy this shift really seemed to be you know in between when Jon snow died and was resurrected which essentially is where the books leave off is Jon snow getting stabbed and all of a sudden oh no People can come back to life now. Um, but this guy me thinking about something else. Um, I'm not sure who is the source of this kind of storytelling uh, kind of idea. Um, I hate to credit it to the South Park guys, but that's where most people credit it to. Um, and it's, it's this idea of using uh, therefore and but as your storytelling tools as opposed to and then. Um, but, therefore, and meanwhile are what you want to string your things together with. The idea being that... Um, character, uh, you know, um, uh, the Starks want to have an alliance with the Lannisters, but Bran got pushed out of a window. Um, uh, the, you know, um, somebody stages an assassination attempt on Bran. Therefore, Catelyn, uh, takes Tyrion hostage. Um, where these things happen and one beat of the story dictates what comes next, as opposed to, um, and then they go to Winterfell. And then Arya asks Gendry to make her a special weapon. And then and then Jamie shows up, right? Like these things don't there's no real connection to any of these things. Like for example, in the last season, Yara Greg Joy gets kidnapped by Euron. That had and then she's kidnapped. They have a gross conversation in this episode. And then Theon rescues her. What was the point of any of that? Right. It, it, it was just, and then, and then, and then. Um, so as an example of how much better this show could be if it followed its old, like, consequences and things matter idea, um... So, the big moment cliffhanger thing that everyone was talking about is the, ooh, Jamie and Bran confrontation, which I don't, I honestly don't care about because of the way the show's done nothing to make me care about the outcome of that other than I, I know exactly what's going to happen when they meet. They're going to exchange some witty banter and then Bran's going to forgive Jamie for pushing him out of it. And then the show's going to move on, which is fine because the show hasn't set anything else up. But, you know, so for example, if, Jamie was bringing something to the table for the, I'm going to call them the Northern Alliance because whatever, you know, if he was bringing something to the table, like maybe he, he, he smuggled out those dragon killing ballista from King's Landing, So he had a valuable piece of the puzzle for the Northern Alliance, but Bran won't, you know, Bran won't let him join up because Bran still holds a grudge. That's something of consequence. Um, but. The show has set up nothing that Jamie has anything to bring to the Alliance. The only thing Jamie is bringing to Winterfell right now is fun moments for us to watch, not any actual contribution to the potential, you know, actual movement of the plot. We're going to see him reunite with Tyrion, which, fine. He's going to reunite with Bri- Brienne, fine. But none of those things matter because none of it can have any impact on it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yep. And this is where, and this is why, this is what I meant earlier about the the way in which the story has converged, removing the complexity. And this, this is the level of complexity. These, these consequences, and the, I think you know, that's really a really good way of putting it, therefore, but meanwhile, that is what I view as complexity in a story, as opposed to, you know, and then, and then, and then, and then. And the reason I think that's happened is, I, I think it's less... I think it's less because they don't have the books to follow, and George R. Martin's not involved. It's probably part of it, but I also think it's just because they realize like we need to wrap this up, and the only way to do that is by going and then and then and then and then and then, and that is something that to the macro picture, like I mentioned earlier about like other fantasy series, like this is the sort of problem with the very seems to be endemic problem with large-scale fantasy stories of like story creep, mm-hmm. right? You know, Game of Thrones is supposed to be three books. It's going to be seven, maybe. It's always, Wheel of Time it's was supposed always to be gonna four be books. Six books. Wheel of Time was supposed to be four books. It's 14. You know, Stormwind Archives has always been planned to be 10 because I think Brandon Sanderson understands what this looks like. But, you know yeah. what I mean? like.
0: But I think he's also cheating a little bit because, oh, it's 10 books. But each one of those books is four books.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, but I just mean that, like, one thing that I respect Wheel of Time for, even though those, like, uh, books 9, 10, 11 are a little bit slow and rough, it, it follows the path that the story needed it to, I think, for the most part. Because Robert Jordan put characters and set things up for certain plot lines to have to happen, and for certain therefores and meanwhiles to happen, and to try and truncate them, he could have removed them and just made it a lot of a, a more simple storyline, which is what they did in the show to try and speed things up. So- and because they don't have the budget to do another, cause I mean, I just, George Martin said it himself in an interview asking to him like, oh, how are people going to compare the books and the series and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, they're not really adapting it anymore. Cause it'd be another five or six seasons. And I think that that is true here because I think when we, if hypothetically we would ever get this far in the books, which we won't. But if we did, I'd like to think that we would have a much more interesting situation going on right now because the therefores and the consequences are still mapped. Yeah,
0: I but I think the problem with the show, I don't think the the problem is that they're they're simplifying things in the interest of getting to the end. Because if that were true, this episode would have a lot less filler. This episode had a ton of filler in it. And also in terms of the actual plot, we're in pretty much the same place we were at the end of uh, the last episode of season seven, two goddamn years. Not much has changed. So I don't, feel like it's, oh, we gotta move quick and boom, 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 boom. And one episode of this season is like four episodes worth of events from the last season. I don't think that's the problem. Um, somebody in one of the, um, I don't think it was the Ringer article, but uh, somebody um, in one of the, you know, the recaps, somebody wrote that the, the scene with Braun, where he's in the brothel and then he gets the crossbow is two minutes, 44 seconds long. The scene where... Sam reveals to John his true heritage is two minutes, 17 seconds long. Like, yeah, we're we're spending too much time on dumb shit. Uh, so I think the problem is more, they have stopped writing a show that's trying to like tell a story and what they're then and they've and now they're just writing a show that's just about moments mm. because that seems to be the way the internet responds to it is ooh that moment when Bran you know stares at Jamie. and also this whole episode was just full of catty fucking side eye between the characters because and and to be really cynical I worry it's because because that makes for good you know gifs that get shared around um, you know. When Sansa and, and, and Daenerys are sniping at each other across the table as opposed to um, actual like clever plot developments or character driven moments uh, and, and, and a character driven plot that used to be the hallmark of game of thrones they've just boiled it down to hey people liked it when tyrians is funny stuff so what if just everybody just said funny stuff yeah and that's what i worry the problem is um because again what is the point of of jamie meeting bran at winterfell beyond oh they're gonna have some cool stuff to say to one of each, one, one of it, it, it's meaningless it, it, it's and and even the reunions that i mean these reunions should matter so much more like yeah when these characters see each other like john and john and Arya haven't seen each other since the first season of the show like halfway through the first season maybe episode three they haven't seen each. the reunion felt a little flat and also It kind of did a disservice to both of these characters. When you think about everything they've been through since the last time they saw each other, Jon literally came back from the dead, which seemed to have no impact on him emotionally, which is weird. Um, But Arya has also been through some shit. She, like, completely depersonalized in her, like, um, quest to become a murder machine which she has done and like this scene could have been so much more powerful if there'd been some recognition between the two that they can never really go back to the relationship they've had because this war has done too much to both of them and their individual quests for vengeance or honor or whatever have taken them away from the people they used to be that could have been such a more powerful scene but instead it was like oh remember he gave her that sword Oh, she doesn't want to talk about all the people she killed. Like it just I don't know, it just felt so like first draft, just go for the fan service, happy ending, hug, hug, sunset. I didn't like it.
1: That's fair. Can we talk about what we did like, or what at least what I liked?
0: Yeah, sure, sure, sure.
1: Um and this is that this is and this is the time where I I saw the glimpse of like, oh, this is what Game of Thrones used to be. And that's anything involving Sam in this episode. Yeah. And I have to say, John Bradley, he's a great actor. Yes. Um, The scene when Danny and Jorah come to him and the the amount of acting he does in that scene with the reaction to meeting her and then finding out his dad died and finding out his brother died, that successive move from, you know, awkward bumbling Sam to, you know, sad but still trying to be and then just complete like breakdown was was really, really well done. Mm hmm um questionable why thought was a good idea to bring her down there but okay um and then i really really liked you know at least sam's half of the scene in the crypts when he's telling john about his true lineage Mm -hmm. and the way he framed that and the way he framed you know trying to put once again it's a little bit of like this conflict between they're trying to build this conflict between danny and john right of like and i get it that's what the show is moving towards and that's okay it's it's an important part of the macro plot once again at this current time seems like maybe we should worry about the fucking zombies but whatever however i like the way they framed it of like you know that you gave up her crown for your would she do it for you and the answer to this question is sort of like the last big mystery that i care about in the show is that it's obvious that you know one of the points of the story and the characters have been certain characters have been bringing it up since season one is that progenitor based monarchism is fucking stupid <laughs> and that Caring about bloodlines and who's next in line to rule—that that all of this shit is arbitrary, because at some point you can find someone who unjustly or unjustly, you know, um, sees the crown right. without quote unquote being the right rightful successor.
0: Right. Cer- Cersei is the is the is the example, right? She is legally the queen, but the worst person for the job. Sounds familiar. And like
1: legally the queen, but not even legally because they weren't allowed to have queens up until she did it. Sure, but... Right, so then once again, like same thing for Danny. It's like, well, you know, you couldn't be a queen like John's the rightful heir, even though you're the... Like all these things are just depending on which way benefits you, right? Which is the obvious arbitrariness of it. And... I just, I'm very curious how they're going to handle that. Yeah. And I'm just from from like the the show perspective, Like I don't really, I mean, sure, it's going to be played out in how Danny and John react and other people react to this news. Although my guess is they'll probably just fucking sit on it for three episodes. Yeah. Pretend Um, it didn't happen. Pretend it didn't happen and fight. But I just don't know how it's going to play out and I don't know how the show is going to end because of that. Because I don't know and that's the other thing I'm curious about is that so there's, you know, there's basically two big plot points left, right? You've got the army of the dead, and you've got Cersei and the Golden Company. Um And I was very curious when the season started, like we knew that going in, what order, how are those going to play out in juxtaposition to one another across six episodes, right? Are they going to kind of tackle one and then tackle another? Or are they going to have to, you know, play out simultaneously or, and, and all those options in either direction kind of seemed weird and off-putting to me, like, well, okay. And, and it seems like moving forward, right, like from the preview seems like this ep- next episode is going to be another build up episode and then episode 3 is going to be the first big set piece the battle at winterfell against the army of the dead yeah. right but then like there's three ways that goes right i guess one is that they they beat the white walkers decisively and eh, that seems a little bit weird for the third episode of a 6 episode season considering this is kind of what the show's been moving to at the on the other hand it could be a little poetic to have the final bits of the show be a back to the you know stark versus lannister you know rivalry or issue now with a lot of other people thrown in. The second option, I guess, is that they lose... And then, like, I guess they kind of have to, like... Or some sort of partial victory, partial running away from the army. I don't know. I'm just really curious, like, how does Cersei fit into this?
0: Um, I think that... I think this. I think the final conclusion has to be the showdown with Cersei. Because while the White Walkers have always been an issue, the, the central conflict of this story since episode one is Starks versus Lannister, right? Mm-hmm. And Daenerys' plot and the white walkers are secondary to that conflict right um so yeah so i think we're gonna have our big showdown halfway through and then and then and then whatever is left of the northern alliance has to has to go against cersei um i don't think i mean cersei's plan is unclear but i don't but then again i was i was gonna say i don't see how logistically she gets her army from king's landing up to Winterfell in order to like swoop in and have like this big three way battle up there. Um, but then again, this show doesn't care about logistics. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, unless they're gonna just say, like, I could see them saying, like, oh, they took the ships, even though Winterfell's pretty fucking landlocked. Yeah, but, um,
0: Theon will be there tomorrow, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, that's true, he will be. Uh, yeah, that that seems that's
0: so, yeah. such a waste of time, right?
1: Uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I'm just And what do you think, Greg? Like, do you think that at the end of the show, someone sits on the Iron Throne, or do you think it's going to be a a more murky ending than that?
0: So, assuming they stick with whatever ending Martin told them was the end that they're building, assuming that they're going to match his intent, I don't see George R.R. Martin wanting the final conclusion of this to be just, Jon Snow is the king and you finally got the right guy on the throne everything is right and good with the world that does not seem to at all be his thesis the which is you know kind of the the Aragorn thesis that everything's fine with monarchy as long as the right king is there mm-hmm. um everything everything about this story says that everybody's a shithead at the end of the day no one shithead should have that much power. Um, and certainly not and 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 they certainly shouldn't have it just because of who their dad. Was. Um, so it would be a huge reversal, I think, of everything that this story has been saying if it's just, oh we got the right asshole on the throne. Um, so I think um, I think that a possible outcome, could have been this is all a tragic morality tale of everybody squabbling over the throne meanwhile the ice zombies freeze the world to death because we couldn't get our shit together and prevent ecological collapse because we were too busy with our petty dispute um I don't think that's where this is going because again, it certainly seems like they're going to have their big fight with the the, the White Walkers are not going to be an issue after Episode Three. Um, so I think that leaves you with a a um, finding some new form of government uh, that does not involve thrones or kingdoms. I think that that this will end with a um, dissolution of of the of the feudal order one way or the other um i really hope that uh that it um i don't like daenerys i just don't want i don't want daenerys i want daenerys to to have a heel turn um
1: yeah and i feel like there was that to go back one second to what i was saying like kind of a tangent but that was one of the moments where our, the show rekindled that consequences thing where you know sam potentially turning Jon against Danny because she burned his family, which was very obviously... The show pointed out as, like, this is a bad decision, don't do this, because they highlighted it so heavily. Like, that was like, yeah, this is Game of Thrones, right? Like, you made that choice because you were arrogant and prideful and wanted to look tough, and now it's coming back to bite you in the ass.
0: And the show also didn't give Danny an opportunity... Well, she didn't, like try to walk that back she didn't like say to sam you know something along the lines of you're right i was too harsh and i'm still learning how to be a queen i hope that you can forgive me or whatever she was just like yeah i burned those dudes um so the show might be still trying to set her up as you know she will you know she will turn um which i would like to see because again um yeah i would i would i hope they go somewhere
1: yeah, I'm curious, I do agree with you. I, I don't think there's a part of me thinks the show is going to end a little more straight like obviously this plot line to be a lot more straightforward than the, a lot of the internet's been busy thinking about for the past year, oh, you know, uh, Littlefinger was a was a faceless man or brands the night king. I'm like, I don't think any of that's gonna happen. No,
0: like, we don't have enough time for that. No.
1: Uh, but and you know, so what is the straightforward ending? I don't really know. I mean I I, I don't think we see a John and Danny marriage and you know, they're going to, like you said, they're going to rule or one of them rules the seven kingdoms and everything's happy. I mean, Martin has said it's a bittersweet ending, so fine, that's vague, but I I feel like to do, to have some sort of other form of government seems unearned because it's not like there's been someone in the back going like, you know, we should really try giving the people we'll say or something, you know, like something to like work towards that. If that just came out of the blue, that would seem weird. My guess is that it's going to be some sort of partial ending where we might just have a lowercase seven kingdoms. And yeah, or maybe some sort of like alliance of seven, you know what I mean something like that which I could see. Um
0: yeah, I think that I it, like I don't think that, you know, Game of Thrones is gonna end with Westeros's first presidential election. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I think that I think that the final conclusion is there should be no Iron Throne. Right. There should be no um King of the Seven Kingdoms. Um and you know, there should be no Lords. Something like that.
1: Um Like a very powerful scene could be Danny having coming if if she doesn't have a heel turn, has a different a good heel turn, you know, having one of her dragons like melt the iron. Yes. That could be a powerful ending to the show and not everything has to be tied up you know in a neat bow although i kind of want them to just, to, just so they have no reason to have any idea of ever trying to make a sequel series uh but yeah uh, that makes sense to me
0: i i i think that's the only um uh, the only possible outcome of all this because um like i said i think you can eliminate the other potentials where it's just somebody wins And the, you know, and so it's either going to be Cersei, which nobody wants that. And and, um, that doesn't teach us anything. Uh, It could be Danny, but that just doesn't feel right because the show's never done a great job of making us feel like, oh, she's actually a good leader and would be, you know. And also the show's been saying monarchy bad, monarchy bad or um, hereditary monarchy bad, at least. Um, I guess, you. I, I think if, if Danny has a heel turn, you might end up with Jon Snow, but I also feel like his character arc has been building towards like, he doesn't want to be a mm-hmm. But then again, uh, neither did Ned Stark, he should have. I mean, that was kind of the whole, um, you know, you could make the argument that all of this was set into motion during Robert's Rebellion when Ned Stark had the opportunity to claim the throne but he gave it to Robert instead. Yeah,
1: I... Yeah, I question that. One thing I question is, that, like, because there was sort of this... I mean, yeah, because Ned's an idiot, but... You know, there was a tie that said that Robert was a, you know, the choice yeah. for the throne, like via family, or whatever. But I, I do want to point out one thing that I think has been weird is that, with John's lineage being revealed, I'm really curious how it's handled. Because, like, I don't know, is there going to be like fucking prove it? Like, right? Well, <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. What? Like, what's the? I mean, and that, what, like you said, it could have been a. Big reveal with the dragon, right? Like feed him to the dragon. That'll you know, that'll be the reveal or whatever. And like dragon licks his face. I don't know, something stupid, but like something that shows that like, yeah, this is proof because otherwise you've got brand being weird. Which by the way, I really like creepy awkward brand. I do too. I like creepy brand. He's doing a yeah. good job. Um oh I do like the memes. They're going to come from that, I'm sure. But also just the memes of, like, is someone going to, like, take me inside? Like, I can't really get well, that around. It's like,
0: own. Karen and I were joking about that at some point. And then the, I'm waiting for an old friend. Like, that's cool. But also, I kind of feel like saying, like, can't you see the future or something? Don't you know when he's going to get here? Go inside,
1: dude. But, um, You know, but just, like, being like, so they got brands, word, which was like, ah, fuck, that guy's weird. Right. And, like, and... Sam, I've got a, diary a piece a of the pu- puzzle. It's like, is anyone really gonna? I mean, I guess people just go by hearsay in this world, it seems, but uh it just seems like a very, like, oh yeah, we're just gonna accept it and move on. Like, no, I don't know. Also, yeah. the fact that no one really treats Bran like, I just, ah, they're just being so lazy. Just like, when he said, like, yeah, the wall fell and the army's coming, everyone's like, oh shit, okay. Like, that should have been like a huge, like, yes. the fucking wall fell, you idiots. Like,
0: Yes, people should be ah. taking all of this more seriously. Right. But yeah, I think, and the show in the past has done, you know, because we know that as a result of her targaryen this, this, um, like Danny's immune to fire, right? And that, you know, by working that miracle and being able to control the dragons, she's proving that she's a Targaryen, right? Right. Although the immune to fire
1: thing is just a thing for the realm. Are we sure? Yeah, because john has been burned. Right. And her brother died via mm. fire gold well <laughs> molten gold. Stuff, i'm not sure how that but yeah but because one of the things that happens she picks up the hot eggs hot eggs that sounds weird the, <laughs> you know she put the eggs in the fire <laughs> and she picks them up and she's not being burned and then her handmaid or whatever like grabs it and she gets burned right. so hot things touching their skin doesn't seem to affect yeah but them. he was
0: also suffocated by the gold but i but, but i guess in the, the lord the greater scheme of thing is is that the show has shown us that she has miraculous proof of who she is john doesn't so all of this like oh he's a targaryen it's like so fucking what right because it means nothing outside of the academic exercise of well actually because again if if That's supposed to give him some kind of legitimate claim. And maybe that's part of the subversive storytelling is that, you know, all of this stuff about hereditary monarchy is all a bunch of bullshit anyway, because we as the viewers and readers know that he's technically, you know, the heir apparent, but it's unprovable. So who gives a shit? They're going to go with the blonde girl, you know, and that's like another chink in the armor of hereditary monarchy because it's all a bunch of dumb shit. It's all made up, but. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they know what they're going to do with that because they haven't really set up anything like um this is stupid but in other fantasy works there would be some secret scroll somewhere that they would go on a, mis- uh, a mission to find that would provide the irrefutable proof of his lineage, right? Right. But they don't have that cuz they didn't bother to set it up cuz nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. So, well, I mean, it held my attention but lots of errors and just to continue i guess i'm just it's hard the juxtaposition of be watching season two and season eight right now it's just like whoa, this show really took a turn yeah uh but i mean hopefully we get a cool battle scene Whether they're saying that the biggest battle scene ever put to film something like that fine fine
0: <laughs> I, I look again this is i keep coming back to this thing of like does any of it mean it like i will say the battle of the bastards meant something it meant something to john that battle meant something to john snow personally and it was for us the viewers a test of john as a military commander right that meant something, um which he failed yes (laughs) he absolutely failed and the and the episode made no bones about pointing out that he really fucked this one up. Uh, thank God for his plot armor, but um, it there was there was a purpose to it beyond just well he and Ramsey have to fight because they hate each other. We're, you know what is the meaning of the battle versus the. The army of the right, does it mean anything? Um, or and another another kind of, you know, we talked about like, oh, John riding the dragon is this big thing that all the fans have been waiting for. I have not talked to a lot of fans who have been waiting for that, but no. apparently it's a thing. And the Clagain Bowl is another one, which is where the hound and the mountain finally fight. And my question is, as much as I want to see that, because I like the Hound and would like to see him finally fight his arch nemesis. What does it mean in the larger picture? Does this represent something? Is the Hound an important enough character where we need to give him all this time and space to work out his issues? It, it's, does it, does that fight symbolize something in the larger storytelling in the way that the fight between the mountain and the viper symbolized, um, you know, uh, nobility and, you know training and justice on the side of the viper uh eventually meaning nothing because the mountain was just savage um and his his cruelty was, uh, you know ended up disarming and killing the other guy like there's meaning there and i just like i wonder if there's any meaning to click Kleg- to click Kleg- is there any meaning to uh jamie and bran having their confrontation and right now it doesn't feel like there is um and even even the scene where Jamie finally kills Cersei. Like, is there any meaning left in that? Because we've had so many times for Jamie to finally turn his back on Cersei and do the right thing, and he's done it over and over again. We're like, we get it. Jamie Lannister, you're redeemed. We are good. So that's that's what I keep coming back to. I just I want these things to have meaning. I want this greatest battle ever filmed to have some kind of meaning, but my hopes are not high. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I think you're right. I will say that the there's some meta meaning for me in that, you know, looking back and, and watching earlier episodes and coming to this conclusion, it's like, I am happy, even though it's maybe not where I would have liked to have seen it end and, and the way I would have liked to have seen it end. But at least it's a, as fantasy, you know, fans and nerds, like the fact that the show has been so successful, I hope that it paved a road, at least when it started, for how to do this right, right? Build meaning and build characterization and... uh that's one thing I saw in a little featurette that, um, you know, when they, when Peter Jenkins said when he's first approached for the role in a fantasy show, he was just like, oh my god, no. Like, he already knows where this is going, right? Like, and he said, like, but when I when I read the script, I realized this show is about, you know, more characters, you know, characters, and it happens to have dragons in it. It was like, most fantasy we've seen is a lot of dragons, not so much characterization. Yes. And I hope that the fact that it's been successful and that it's, you know, generated so much attention and has been funded so well and they're willing to invest this is uh, a good jumping off point for future endeavors that we're going to be having over the next few years in a way that people thought lord of the rings was going to be but wasn't
0: yeah i hope that i just hope that whatever the next generation of fantasy tv shows i hope that they learn their lessons from the first five six seasons of game of thrones and not the end yeah we'll learn
1: lesson learn the good lessons from the first half and the the what not to do in the second half. Yes. The, the pitfalls, which I think the the late, middle, and end are the hardest things of anything to land, to, to, to nail. TV yeah. series, books, movies, anything. How many movies or TV shows do you know that fall apart in the third act? A lot of them.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Um, so I think that that's just, that's just storytelling 101 in general, but uh, particularly in this fantasy, complex story, lots of character setting, you know, and like I said, I don't think that it. it's, like you said, it's not purely all that, but I think it complicates things and makes it, makes it much easier to fall into the, the sort of hole they found themselves in. Yeah. That have, like, like you said, become systemic now, and there's no there's no time to correct it, really. Not that we can't have five more episodes of solid television, of cool fantasy stuff, but it's not gonna be what it could have
0: been. No, it won't be. Um, it'll still be probably better, probably be better than whenever we get a name of the wind. <laughs> you're probably right about that well all right i guess we should um we should wrap this up and uh we are going to oh boy it's going to be a busy month we've got to do our heavy metal part two we've got to talk about avengers um uh, the, the the final the last avengers movie that will ever um <laughs> And, and,
1: you know, I love to do it. We also got to just do a catch-up somewhere. There's been a lot of stuff we got. All I know. Disney, all the Star Wars, all the, all the uh, everything.
0: Um, I'm already peeved enough about this Game of Thrones stuff. Let's talk about Star Wars later. <laughs> we should. All right, buddy. All right.